To meet the challenges facing humanity, we must add wings to the tiger. That's what Xi Jinping said last January at Davos. What he was talking about was an uncertain global economic situation that threatened not just China, but in his words, the rest of the global recovery from the pandemic that at that time, contrary to most popular perception, wasn't really all that solid to begin with. Now, what she had said was, to meet the severe challenges facing humanity, we must add wings to the tiger and act with courage and strength of the tiger to overcome all obstacles on our way forward. Now, last year, I guess it's still this year in China because the new year isn't for a couple more weeks. It was the year of the tiger. And rather than be a symbol of strength as it would be in China, she was telling the global, the, the gathered global elites of economic and political society that things were, there was very large risks right there on the horizon and they needed to be dealt with successfully in order for 2023 to begin where most of the world hoped it would. As she said, if major economies slam on the brakes or take a U-turn in their monetary policies, listening to his Keynesians, there would be serious negative spillovers. And here's the thing. These spillovers would represent challenges to global economic and financial stability and developing countries would bear the brunt of it. Now, that part is absolutely true, and no one would know, know that any more than Xi Jinping and Chinese officials. There is a boom and bust trade cycle, a, this fluctuation in monetary, therefore economic condition that continues to plague the world in the post-crisis era, China most of all. So, so Xi Jinping began 2022 by warning people that if they weren't careful, if the major economy slammed on the brakes, regardless of policy or not, whether what mattered was if there was a material slowdown, China would be, along with emerging markets, would be in big trouble. What will Xi Jinping say about 2023? Well, we've got a bunch of mysteries to put together first, along with digesting the latest economic data, which suggests she was absolutely right about what he was expecting for the future of this, uh, his country and the global economic, uh, global economic development. Not only that, where this all comes together, the place where it all meets and supposedly fits where it's supposed to, dollars, funding, money, we still have no update from the PBOC. It's now January. Again, no update from the PBOC on its November balance sheet statistics, nor nor any update from the PBOC on the other place where we would normally find foreign reserve assets. We'll get to all that in a moment. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Today is January 3rd. Thank you very much for, for joining me. Actually, it's January 2nd. I'm doing this a day early. Happy New Year to everyone. Um, as always, Eurodollar University, memberships, exclusive video content, all that stuff, eurodollar.university on our website, research subscriptions, daily briefing, deep dive analysis, where I think in the deep dives we do get the dates correct. That's all at eurodollar.university. Check it out on our website information. Uh, pricing, all that stuff is available there. So while the PBOC has not updated its balance sheet 
for November, and again, this is January already, we did get some updates from the National Bureau of Statistics in China on the PMI numbers across the Chinese economy for the month of December. And they were really bad. <laughs> they were atrocious. I'll just stick by the numbers here. The NBS's manufacturing PMI fell to 47 from 48 in November. The production index, which is the level of output, way down to 44.6 from 47.8 prior month. New orders in December, 43.9 from 46.4. New export orders. Again, this is not a, just a local China problem. 44.2 from 46.7. As we talked about before, U.S. imports way down in November, probably the same in December. And as the Chinese had reported, uh, the General Administration of Customs previously, Chinese exports to the United States also down huge, 25% year over year in November. Don't look, doesn't look like they're going to keep up. Uh, they're going to change at any at any time soon, December into January. Non-manufacturing in China, PMIs there. Uh, the non-manufacturing headline, 41.6, down from 46.7. New orders, 39.1, down from already low 42.3 in November. New export orders, non-manufacturing, 44.5 compared to 46.1 in November. And therefore, the, the composite output index or the general output index uh, from China 42.6 in December. Now, to most people, you hear these numbers and they think, well, yeah, that's the zero COVID lockdowns. Or now that the lockdowns are ending, it's COVID running rampant all throughout the Chinese economy. Too many people are homesick. Not enough people are working. But we hear that in some places in China, they're actively encouraging people to come to work as long as they're not exhibiting the most severe symptoms. So we went from zero COVID to we don't care about COVID in what seems like a short space of time. And the question is, why? What changed? And one thing that absolutely did change was the level of protests in late recent months where I think, you know, it's impossible to determine from the outside looking in how much that might have unnerved political authorities. But you have to believe the sequence of events here. The Chinese went from late summer into fall where they were showing signs of concerns, but then Xi Jinping comes back from Shanghai, makes a very big show of force, very big show of zero COVID. Then you had that whole thing at the at the 20th Party Congress where Hu Jintao was abruptly and brusquely esc escorted out in front of all of the national or international cameras, not the national cameras, which again seemed to be a show of force. So why would some protests in Beijing that weren't really Beijing around the rest of the country that weren't all that serious, would that have really been enough to, to, to change Xi's mind about zero COVID? I think there is another explanation here, another political explanation here that more closely aligns not just with what happened, but also the timing. And it has to do with what we've been talking about as far as China and its growing dollar problem, the dollar problem that suddenly they don't have an interest in reporting official numbers on. Again, as I said, the People's Bank of China, foreign exchange reserves specifically, they should be showing up on the PBOC balance sheet because China has 
as I said in a last uh, video last week, last month, several times last year, they have an enormous trade surplus. Just from that alone, according to GSA numbers, 802 billion trade surplus. More dollars coming in that have gone out to pay for imports. Those dollars show up in one of two places. And where they should show up more than any place else is the PBOC's balance sheet. They have not. Not only they have not, we don't even have the PBOC balance sheet for November, let alone December. December wouldn't come out till later this month anyway. The other place where the foreign reserves would show up would be commercial banks or other depository corporations, as they're called in the, the lexicon of Chinese financial authorities, monetary authorities, really. And what we see is we don't see anything. Number one, just as the Chinese uh, central bank has not reported on its own balance sheet for the month of November, they haven't reported any of the monetary and banking statistics for November, which includes any update for these other depository corporations, Chinese commercial banking system, where a big chunk of foreign exchange reserves actually end up. And what you see on in terms of foreign exchange holdings on, or foreign assets, they're not really called foreign exchange, they're just called foreign assets. Foreign assets that are held on the balance sheets as assets on the balance sheets of depository corporations in China, there is a very defined boom and bust cycle that she was talking about at Davos that we can see in, their, in, the, in the behavior of their foreign assets. For example, to late 2008 into early 2009, you see a noticeable dip in foreign assets on commercial bank balance sheets because, of course, the entire world trade trade world economy shut down. And though it didn't impact China as harshly as it had other other places around the world, there was a noticeable dent in economic activity, at least so far as it had to do with foreign exchange and global trade. That happened again. Middle of, 2000, or middle of 2012 into 2013, another noticeable dip with another boom-bust cycle, this time a bust cycle associated with the European sovereign debt crisis that wasn't really about Europeans or sovereign debt as much as it was another dollar hole, another emerging market-focused dollar slam, dollar squeeze, whatever you want to call it, it showed up in no dollars showing up on Chinese commercial bank balance sheet in terms of foreign assets. Then again, beginning with the month after, the month after the CNY, the major shock of CNY in August of 2015. We also had a near recession in the US as well as a severe, uh, severe cutback in global trade, emerging market economic depressions, a mess all over the world. Sure enough, again, you see a decline in the number of uh, the balance of assets that uh, foreign assets that are being held by Chinese commercial banks. But here's the thing. After each one of those cycles was finished, you see a sharp upturn in the in the balance of foreign assets on commercial bank balance sheets. So there is a boom cycle to each one of those busts. That's what's missing on both sides. In, starting in 2021 of all times. Between January and May of 2021, we see a rebound, as we should, an upturn in the amount of foreign assets on China commercial bank balance sheets, which was coincident to this massive supply shock, which at least 
dollars were sent abroad all over the place to pay for rising exports that were supplied in large part by the Chinese. So there was an influx of dollars coincident to the large increase in export activity, but it wasn't, as big, it wasn't even close to as big as we had seen in either 2016 or before in 2013 and heading into 2014. It was actually kind of small. And from there, really from May of 2021, but really October 2021, the level of foreign assets on China's bank, or China's commercial banking collective balance sheet kind of took a dip and it's been off trend ever since. The year over year numbers slowing down to the point where the six month average in October, the latest data, was the lowest it had been since 2016. Where's the dollars? Where's the upswing in trade coincident to all of this that was supposed to be going on in 2022? Remembering what Xi Jinping said, his China's year of the tiger needed some added wings. Why would you need to add wings to a tiger? Because a tiger is a robust, vibrant animal to begin with. What he was really saying, I think, is if 2022 doesn't turn out the way everyone hopes, China and everybody else is going to be in a lot of trouble. Now, what does that trouble look like? That trouble looks like a lot of things, but it looks like it looks like this ugly PMI numbers I just talked about, which again, the PMI numbers are always misinterpreted. They're misinterpreted as nothing more than lockdowns or disease or whatever the case may be. And as soon as we stop it with the zero COVID, as soon as we stop it with the lockdowns, as soon as China lets COVID run rampant throughout the country and it gets through to herd immunity where everybody else is around the rest of the world, then China will become back stronger than ever. And I think this is where this right here answers much, if not most, if not all of the missing dollars. Dollar providers around the world disagree with that contention. What they say is through their action, not words, but through actions, is that China is a bad, bad an increasingly bad bet for reasons that have nothing or little to do with zero COVID lockdowns or anything about the pan pandemic. And Xi Jinping knows this. And she, I think that's one of the things he was talking about at Davos, was that, look, we need to cooperate. We need to work together. And part of working together, as he said in his speech at Davos in 2022, was close integration and exchange. In fact, that was one of the themes he talked about, globalization. Globalization had to continue. And the only way globalization can continue is if there is a reserve currency able to intermediate through the various needs, requirements, incentives, all around different cultures all around the world. And if there isn't that hand-to-hand -hand exchange, I think he even used that term in Davos, then it becomes nearly impossible. And look at when the zero COVID began to change in China. The zero COVID regime began to change probably in October and really in November. And what happened September, October into November? Well, first in September, we had China's currency careening out of control so that by early October, we were talking about 732 a dollar, the lowest of the currency had been since 2007. That's something I think that got Xi Jinping's attention more than anything else. And the only way that they could rescue the dollar. Well, there's 
two methods. One is a short run, destined to be costly, destined, destined to be dangerous, and the other is more long run. The short run version, the short run method of rescuing CNY would be what China actually did, which was tapping the commercial banking system on the shoulder and saying, we need you to supply a bunch of dollars. But that doesn't mean necessarily selling the, the foreign assets they have in their balance sheet, although that can't be ruled out either. It has been, as, as was observed and noted in the media, commercial banks borrowing in the swaps market, which you've got to just shake your head. That's a desperation move. That would be one reason why, though, they don't want to report much information, especially in November, on their balance sheet. Now, I don't want to be conspiratorial here because there's likely some other explanation, but you got, I mean, it's enough to get you thinking something else is going on here. And the long-run strategy for Xi Jinping is to, is to make China presentable to dollar providers in the way, or at least partly in a way that it used to be. Because what brought all of those dollars into China in the first place wasn't just China's merchandise trade deficit, which most people around the world have cursed this whole time as the losers to China's trade strategies, but rather the financial flows, the globalization, the integration of supply chains, money, therefore economic activity. And what she was talking about was the fact that if there isn't going to be money, if there isn't going to be economic, if there isn't going to be globalization, the year of the tiger becomes the year of something else, the year of the dead tiger. It's, as he said, it's emerging markets and a developing, developing economies that get hit the most. And they get hit the most because of this dollar deficiency. So the end of zero COVID, the transition into COVID that we see now, I think is more about the dollar problem that China has and the dollar problem that China doesn't seem to want to disclose all that much about, not that they ever did, more recently. So there's a lot more going on here, but the short run takeaway is big dollar problem, big economic problem, the question moving forward into the beginning part of 2023 is what does all of that mean? Well, at the very least, China's authorities aren't going to get together to develop any sort of rescue plan until their next plenum, which is in March. That's not a short-run issue, or that's not a short-run solution. Nor do I think China's going to do much else either, other than to try to talk dollar providers into believing that China is at least going to be a stable place to go. That's really the message that they've been trying to send, really with particular emphasis after the 20th Party Congress. Stability, stability, stability. Though I don't see how not disclosing November balance sheet data for banks and central banks fits into that unless there's something on those disclosures that would be that would contribute to instability. As always, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. Happy New Year to everybody else. It's January 2nd, not January 3rd. I'll get it right at the end. Uh, if you're interested, membership's available, eurodollar.university, as well as research subscriptions. Check out our website. Till next time, take care.